If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Class takes hold, you raise the floor, and then you turn your attention to that transfer portal, which is something they're doing simultaneously. It is a busy time for these coaches and for all involved in college football, and that includes our staff at Warchant.com. As for us, on the fateful day, that Wednesday of which I speak, we will be on the air live from 1 to 3 here with the Jeff Cameron Show, but the precursor to that, beginning at 8 a.m., is National Signing Day Live right here on Warchant TV and Warchant.com, sponsored by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, beginning again, 8 a.m., Wednesday, December the 15th. That is seven hours of live coverage and analysis. You'll get interactive chat like you do every day here on the JCS or on Wake Up Warchant, look-ins at signing ceremonies and more, Live and only on War Chant TV. So I'm really, really excited about that. We shall see. It will be interesting to note um, what Florida State is able to accomplish and what they don't. Who's coming, who's going, who's staying, who's leaving. And speaking of which, there is a lot of information surrounding Florida State's offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham. We addressed it in the first hour. Uh, let's go ahead and um, recap what we talked about there. He, he is in strong con- uh, contention um, to obviously uh, be the next OC at uh, Oregon and uh, Lanning took the job there at Oregon. Those two have a relationship, have a friendship, have a mutual respect. Uh, And so it is that he may very well take that job. We said last hour that, look, that would not be the end of the world. I can tell you two things that I think about Dillingham. One that I think he did a good job this past year, given that his hands were tied in a lot of ways. And two, I'd rather lose him than say coach Atkins, who I think that we just elevate to OC to go along with his offensive line duties. And I'd be fine with that. Mike Ravel being the primary play caller, there as well anyhow but Atkins is a guy that I think is vital to moving forward uh with the with the talent that you have and the talent you're trying to bring in and certainly the talent that you're coaching on that offensive line so uh really it's it's something that makes you nervous because of a particular uh grouping maybe of two players one's a transfer portal guy another a recruit I get it I get it but coaches come and go that's the modern game of college football it's maddening the timing is never good They're constantly making changes to the game and when players can come and go, what the NIL deals are, coaches having to leave and negotiate these deals in season with conference championships on the horizon and all that stuff is less than ideal. But until there's a college football czar that says we do things this way, uniformity across the line, this is how it works, this is what you're going to see, and you have to be able to endure that. As a fan, it makes you wring your hands and you worry. No sense in worrying. It's going to happen or it's not going to happen. I think Florida State, bottom line is this set up in a very, very good position 
come Wednesday. I think moving forward beyond that, the transfer portal stuff, I think you're going to see some successes there as well. Florida State's going to become a better football team because of these successes that we're alluding to now. It's just a matter of how many and how often you hear that yes on National Signing Day and when those commitments begin to trickle in. And we'll document it all beginning at 8 a.m. on Warchant TV, which I'm excited about. Something I'm much more excited about is documenting that than I am night in, night out right now watching this Florida State basketball team who simply have lost too much talent from the previous two seasons where guys moved on to the NBA or took their talents elsewhere. And now all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where Florida State struggles against a matchup zone. They lose this game against South Carolina over the weekend. The ding-ding certainly looms large at this point. Uh, it's been a while since we saw the ding-ding uh, of the NIT trolley. Sorry, make sure I specify about ding-dings. Um, I get it. It feels that way right now. It's still very early in the season. We'll see what kind of adjustments are made. They may not have answers. They may not have answers. That is a distinct possibility. I agree there. I don't know what the answers are, but I'm not going to you know, count out this coaching staff to find a way to get around it. They've already shown that they can coach two different styles of teams, one that's all defense, one that is fun and skilled on offense, and they can get you to the Sweet 16 or better with those two different types of groups that are on the floor. This one, a lot of inexperience. You could tell some guys are trying to play outside their own comfort zone and try to do too much. Uh, so you've got a crisis of confidence. You've got inexperience. And then you've got just, I mean, some holes in your roster. You don't have somebody along the glass that you feel good about to pull down 10 boards a night. They're, they're just not there. Not even at guard. And we've had a couple of those over the last 10 years in this program. And a Trent Forrest or a Derwin Kitchen. Uh, you don't have anybody like that that you feel great about. So, yeah, the basketball program, there's a lot to prove. Um, but there's still a lot of time. We might be still talking about this group in a disappointing fashion a month from now. I kind of feel like that's where we're going, but you don't know that for a fact. You don't. If you can rack up two or three wins in a row here and then begin your ACC play uh, again, I know we're 0-1, but I think it's NC State on New Year's Day is uh, when we play our, our first ACC basketball game uh, since this kind of weird holiday break where you go out of conference. All right. Then we start to figure out a little bit more about the team. But for me, this week is all about everything that is to do with FSU recruiting and the future of the program. And unfortunately, at the 11th hour, you have this storyline with Kenny Dillingham and, and Oregon. And it's not – nobody's uh, maliciously trying to undercut another institution because these guys are all friends here. Mike Norvell is simpatico with Dan Lanning, so much so we tried to get him down here to become our defensive coordinator. And, of course, Kenny fits into that tree or, or that triangle of connections – and that's why Kenny would be a lord. He goes back to the West Coast where he has a ton of recruiting ties, especially in the state of Arizona, so it's a little bit more localized recruiting, and you also would have the opportunity to run your own offense. I think that's the obvious thing that's not going to change. The question is, what kind of money and assurances will be given, and what's the limit of how much money you want to spend on a Kenny Dillingham and how long you want to commit to Kenny Dillingham? That's where it might get a little bit uncomfortable in the room, but I have full confidence that the communication level between Lanning, Oregon, Norvell, Florida State, and Kenny is going to be as transparent as possible so as not to completely implode the 2022 recruiting class on Wednesday. I just look forward to that matter being settled because no matter what side you're hearing from, Oregon sources, FSU sources, and reading about those things, it sounds like today is going to be the day where you get a, a definitive answer on what Kenny Dillingham is going to do. So let's get that behind us today, and then tomorrow we can start to focus again on the recruiting class 100% of our energies. Yeah, there's good and bad uh, in the limited time we have to talk about uh, 
Coach Dillingham. Mostly good, though. And I agree with you, Tom. I think that all parties involved in this assessment and situation are friends and uh, get along swimmingly. So I, I can't imagine there's any underhandedness going on here. I think it's very specifically for one and one reason only if Dillingham leaves, and that is the opportunity to have total autonomy of the offense and to call plays as he sees fit and to get credit for it, uh, to bolster the resume. Probably more money, too, but you, you understand what I'm saying there. Yeah, and well, and here's the thing. If that news breaks between, say, an hour from now and tonight, uh, not only do we have a show on Wednesday, seven hours of National Signing Day Live, the early signing day if you really want to get technical about it, but tonight at 7 p.m. there is a recruiting chat live right here on Warchant TV with Aslan and Michael. So if that news were to go and, and, and it sways towards Kenny is, is leaving and he's going out to the West Coast, well, you'll have the instant reaction of how it affects the recruiting class tonight at 7 o'clock. So if you have not done so already, hit subscribe to our channel, hit the bell. There's going to be a lot of content we're throwing at you for the week. If you hit that bell, you never have to worry again. You just go to your homepage on YouTube and we're right there. So that's what's coming up. But I would imagine, I would think, Kenny's not going to let this drag out till 7 o'clock Eastern time today, right? I mean, at some point, you got to get with the getting so that we can all be in a position to succeed, both on the Oregon front and in the, and the Florida State front. Yeah, and I would also note, uh, as late as last night in the wee hours of the morning, Michael Langston was updating about Gilbert, updating about Armella. By the way, that went really well. Uh, updating about Lions and and uh, Micah Pittman and uh, Thomas and all these guys. So, uh, Ontavius Woody is another guy. There are updates on. Ortimer, those kinds of people. So if you want to get all those updates, go over to their warchant.com and read the latest from Michael Langston and staff as they are busy compiling the latest and uh, newest information uh, out there. Some of it's good. Most of it's good. Some of it's not so good. Some of it makes you worried a little bit about losing a couple of guys, but that's at any signing period. You know you're going to lose a couple of guys. Let's just make sure that at the end of the day, they're able to sign the vast majority of the guys they need um, and, and, the, and that we think they're going to get. Well, I think the good thing, too, is, again, since you have the plus seven for this year and you can bring up to 32 new players into this program, you know, what, what would you expect? Somewhere between 17, 22. I'm making numbers up there, but, but they're going to leave a huge amount of space to complete this 32 number before the summer is over. I, I don't think you're going to see, you know, 30 guys. Right, 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 yeah. Between transfer portal and recruiting class. I don't think you're going to have that kind of closure by the end of the week. You might get into the 20s, but I don't know that you're going to get anywhere close to 25 or 30. And and the good news is there that that means that you have complete roster overhaul. And this process is not done yet. You're talking about over a third of the roster is going to be new if they fill all those spots by the time we get into summer. And maybe some kids go into the transfer portal after a spring camp when they realize that they're not going to get the reps they're looking for at a certain institution. So this is a process that's going to be over 50% done on Wednesday, but it's only the beginning. I mean, this is a critical offseason for Florida State's coaching staff. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm just going back and looking at all the names of the verbals that have committed to Florida State for 2022. Those total commitments are there at, what, 16 um, as we sit here today, Tom? So, yeah, I, I'm just trying to think about the add-ons and the losses and then, you know, what we would do in the transfer portal. And, yeah, there's there are a lot of names. That's Trying to go about the process of flipping a roster is a fun uh, fun activity. It's a little stressful, but uh, not nearly as stressful for us as it is those guys. I like to sit back and watch the process and see how successful they are and get you know the information as to what they need to do better. Because um, if this is going to grow, you're going to have to learn from your losses as well as your wins. So there's a lot oh, to learn from here. I think we can say it. I mean, it's stupid. This whole process is ridiculous. It's stupid. There's there's not enough guideposts on there in order for us to be able to, to stay in our lane and, and people not go crazy. 
But it's also novel and fun because we don't have to deal with the stupidity. We can just remark that it's stupid and then hope we get all the guys we're looking for. So uh, I'm entertained by it this year. I'll probably be sick of it in a year or two. But to watch this staff and all the things that they got to go through, you've got to nail this. You've got to get it right. And to me, if you're talking about this week, what's more important, getting the class and the transfer portal right or retaining Kenny? you got to get the kids right because I think we're going to be okay no. in that room one way or the other. Jimmy's and Joe's, baby. Always, always. Kevin, you're right. This all reminds me of the few days before the NFL draft. So much information slash misinformation flying around. That's exactly right. I learned long ago that while it's of the utmost importance and that there are people you can trust and those that you should be a little suspect of, suspicious of, I don't really worry about it to the extent that I think I have. Because I know, I know in general, if a kid has decided to pull the wool over everybody's eyes and do something crazy on the actual day in which they, they plan to sign. There's nothing you can do about that. There's not. What you don't want to do is get caught with your pants down when other guys come aggressively at your recruits and you don't do anything to counter that uh, aggressive uh, or persuasive tactic. You, you have to be aware of these things. And so I tend to spend more time looking at the group that we have doing the recruiting and are they aware, aware, are they, is there somebody omnipresent in these kids ears, letting them know, Hey, listen, we got it. We know Georgia wants you. We know Alabama wants you. We know Miami wants you. We know about these changes over there. This is the plan we have in place for you. Don't lose sight of the, uh, of the overall plan. Like we talked about throughout the course of this year, you want guys to be able to counter that. And if that doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And if those guys fail enough times, you got to get rid of them, but we're, you know, so far so good right now. I mean, they're going to sign a really good class period. They are. Oh yeah, and that's they're way out kicking their coverage in that regard. That is that's a combination of being honest with recruits, not telling them that we're going to win the Atlantic or win ten games because if they told them that, most of these guys would be gone. Um, it also speaks to what Florida State is and the opportunity that's there. Hell, I, I think you know some of it is that when you have transfers that come in and out of your all ACC, seven out of the eight players that were named to some line of delineation on the all ACC football teams this season were transfers, they see that there's immediate opportunity. So these are the things that we have to sell now. You sell immediate opportunity, uh, playing time. Uh, you know, you want to be a part of building until you're where you want to be. And then you say, well, we're a winning organization. We're going to get you to the pros. The message will change, but this is what we can sell now. And I think we've got a lot of kids that we targeted that want to hear that kind of message that are going to stick with us. But the important thing was, in when I first started at Warchant in the summer, first thing I did Got in a car, we went up to Charlotte to cover the ACC kickoff. And I remember asking Austin, because Austin works with Michael all the time when it comes to waiting outside uh, the athletic department for visitors coming in and out, junior days, etc. And I asked Austin, are they telling the kids the truth here, or are they blowing smoke and saying that we're going to flip this thing? He said, no, they're, they're shooting for 6-6. Six and six. In that moment, I exhaled, because I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. These guys are not used car salesmen to the point that we're going to get screwed again this fall because we're shooting for players that we're not you going to can get. can never overpromise and underdeliver. You have to obviously do the opposite of that. You, you've got to continually tell kids, look, here's where I think we are. If you happen to surpass whatever that expectation is, then great. Side that way as opposed to the opposite. That got the last guy in trouble. But it also tells me something else, Tom, and this is why I think it's more important. Not just that that's an adage, an age-old adage that everybody understands, that you underpromise and overdeliver as opposed to the opposite, but rather because it means you're capable of being honest with yourself about the task at hand and being 
honest with yourself is very critical in self-scouting, figuring out where you're at, how far you have to go, and the means by which to get there. So to me, that was the much more uh, important aspect of that six and six talking point or that five and seven talking point, that rebuilding talking point. It was less about, hey, we don't want to overpromise. And it was more about, do you know what you're looking at? Do you know what you're looking at? Because I'll tell you something, go back to day one. When we talked about what was possible, we kind of maneuvered around the idea of five and seven, six and six, best case scenario, eight and four, a lot of different things, right? Injury, luck, the rest of the ACC, when certain games were played, all that stuff. But the bottom line was the very first day out there, we went, oh, my God, or at least I certainly talked about this on the air. Oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe how far we have to go from a physical standpoint. It really bothered me how far away they were removed from the days of winning nine, ten games with NFL caliber talent at key positions, usually having a guy in every segment group that would qualify as a potential draft pick, at least one, right? At least you had a corner or a running back or perhaps maybe not at quarterback necessarily. That's the hardest one to have, but you know what I mean? There was always a guy somewhere in there. When we looked out on that field, we went, Ooh, Oh no, this is not good. They're small. They're not terribly fast and they're not deep. Well, that's problematic. And that turned out to be exactly problematic. And then the transfer portal guys came in and kind of saved the day in a lot of ways. And you just made this point. But I think it's also worth reiterating. Those guys that came in and helped fill those vacant spots, Jermaine Johnson being the most highlighted and decorated of them all, but Care Thomas was huge too. And as we talk about these guys, we celebrate their contributions. But I celebrate now that at the end of the year, all of those guys who came in here, worked their ass off, bought into what Norvell, Atal were telling them, and then went on to have success, all said at various points that they would be willing to reach out to other transfer portal kids, all said that they would talk to them about their successes at Florida State and why it was a good decision. That shows that not only did they buy in, come in, have success, it shows that they believed in the process, they believed in the coaches, even amidst the losing, and they believe that it's a good place for other kids who are like them to come. That's huge. That is huge. That is the benefit of succeeding in the transfer portal, is that you, A, salvage something of a season that would have otherwise been a two-win campaign, and B, you get those kids on your side forevermore to say, yeah, you know what, those guys told me the truth. They said I was going to have to come in and work, but that I'd become a better player because of it, and that if I did come in and work and I earned that playing time, I would bolster my NFL stock. Those guys all did that. Yeah, the, the hard part this year, and, and it's great that you know it looks like the defensive interior, we may retain the defensive interior for next year. That That's the whispers around. I know Coop already said that, that he's coming back, which is great. If we can get Fabian to say so, that would be awesome too. But when I think about how small we are and deficient we are, I think about the offense. You know, there are a couple of position groups on defense where, you know, linebacker we all know about. And we're not fast enough at corner in the secondary. We need to get better there. Well, we're going to fix that with this recruiting class right away. But I think when you look at the team as they come off the sidelines for that phase of the game, it doesn't look terrible. It looks like we're about where we are. On offense, we look like Wake did in 2013. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're small up front. We, we're undersized at center. We don't have big tight ends that really contribute much. Uh, we, You know, listen, we're, we're not – again, I'll say it. I like them, but we're not elite at running back. Let's be honest. And you certainly don't have an elite receiver, period, anywhere. Yeah, I think you've got plus players at running back, but they would be, you know, uh, change of pace players when, when you're when – you yeah, are- yeah, they're plus players. They're not elite, but they're, they're plus players, yeah. Yeah. The question is, 
Can you, in terms of the net, the net difference? Because you can't recreate Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson. I'm sorry, you just can't. You can't. You can get close, but you, you can't recapture that for once in this next season. So will the net gain across all positions be there? Or are you going to net lose because those are two of your best players in the roster? My hope is in the transfer portal, you find enough players on offense that look the part, are the part, are big enough to get the job done. And then on defense, you work around it because the interior is good enough. Maybe you find a defensive end that you like and somebody rises up the ranks from within the program and you're okay there. But that's what I'm looking for here. I just I don't expect the edge rusher game to be duplicated. We just need to get better everywhere else so you don't miss it as dearly as you as you potentially could. Iris Chaffel going to join us here in mere moments. We'll get the latest information from him. We saw him early this morning as he was working hard to make sure all of this got uh, presented in an orderly fashion. And so we'll check in with him and hear what he hears and also get his thoughts on the weekend that was. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. And away we go. We get a chance to welcome him in right off the bat. That's always a good thing. There you see him on the screen. Waving to him. There is the man. Irash Bell, Warchant.com, the website. Busy times, busy times. Hello, Ira. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good. Well, good, man. Good. Okay, so let's go big picture. You feeling good? Hearing good things? I know you've talked with Michael Langston. I know we all have. We were all in a Warchant staff meeting this morning, making sure this all goes off without a hitch. It's a big week. Four State fans everywhere pumped. I am, too. Excited about what Wednesday holds. I know we're going to do a good job with the coverage, uh, but everybody wants to know, and they've asked on the chat, and they've, you know, you get it in email and on Twitter and everywhere else. Are we going to sign as impressive a class as perhaps has verbaled and or that we've anticipated for months on end as the Travis Hunters of the world said yes to Florida State verbally? Uh, I have largely said that I think that for the most part, yes, yes, Florida State is going to have the kind of success. Uh, that we envisioned at the time that they were able to get a lot of surprise yeses from some of the best talent in the country. Uh, do you still feel that way as we uh, approach Wednesday? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good class overall, especially compared to you know the season they're coming off of and the several seasons in a row that Florida State's coming off of. It, it may not look exactly like what we uh, the names that we've been seeing for the last <clears throat> six or seven months. You know, back last summer they had a bunch of kids kind of commit in a flurry, uh, a bunch of offensive linemen. Uh, I don't know that all of those are going to stick. You know, one of them right. that came came out recently was uh, Antavius Woody, uh, a young man from Alabama who's an offensive lineman, defensive lineman that's been committed to Florida State since last summer. It uh, looks like now he's going to wait until February. They may need to uh, kind of see how things play out for him uh, over the next few months. There's another one or two other guys that maybe maybe don't sign on Wednesday, but, but I think there are other guys who uh, we haven't been sure about that I think there's a good chance, as you said, uh, you know, talking to Michael, they feel really good about Julian Armella, who's a five-star offensive lineman out of South Florida. You know, obviously Travis Hunter. Uh, so there's a lot of really good players in this class. Um, I think it's going to be a really good class, but I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, the, the 15 or 16 guys that we have thought they were going to have. I don't know that you're going to have four or five or six more 
big names coming on on signing day to push it over 20 because I do think they still want to uh, leave a lot of space for those transfers. How much space? You know, I don't know exactly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they signed but looked to sign another 10 transfers. I think last year it ended up being over 10 or 12. It was like 13 maybe. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but the year before that it was seven or eight. Uh, but I think it's going to be in that ballpark again. And, uh, you know, they, they need them. I mean, they need grown men at a couple, two or three positions uh, where, you know, it would be great to get another four-star or five-star high school kid. But if you could get a transfer who could come in and play right away, as we saw with some of those guys last year, uh, a lot of times that's even better. Yeah, you and I talked about it. And, of course, we, you and I, celebrated the arrival of Dylan Gibbons. Not all the people involved at Warchant.com celebrated Dylan <laughs> Gibbons' arrival, but we certainly did. Uh, and that turned out to be spot on. I think they could use a few more of those caliber of players to come in here and start on the offensive line. Because that's the other problem, too, Ira, is it wasn't just that they needed an upgrade in terms of talent, but they didn't have depth either. So you got to, I mean, that's a position along with defensive line where you see a lot of guys miss some time. Uh, Grown ass men position where guys get beat up. You got to have some depth. And we saw this year that Florida State simply put lost football games if their starting five weren't out there. And they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't win with that. If they lost, if they had one or two of those guys go down and you had the backups come in, the drop off was precipitous and they couldn't really compete. Really. And I think you also saw it um, in a couple of the games where they had guys who couldn't practice all week, but then ended up playing on Saturdays. So, you know, okay, they were out there, but they maybe hadn't practiced all week or, or, or were very limited all week. And so, uh, you know, that, that reduces your ability to be, um, you know, just as technique sound and fundamentally sound as you normally would be. So, yeah, getting more depth on the offensive line is big. And they've got a good offensive line class coming in, uh, you know, but still you're, you're, you don't know that those guys are going to be able to help. You wouldn't like to be counting on true freshmen right away. Even in a backup role, you'd much rather bring in a couple more transfers. Everybody on the chat wants to know this. I don't know if you can put a percentage on it. I think we know it's probably down to two teams, us and Alabama. Do you, what do you think the chances are that a, that a, a star in the making uh, like Marvin Jones Jr. is going to surprise us and say yes to Florida State? Yeah, I really don't have a great feel for it. I just know that you know there, there's not a lot of uh, co- – you don't get the sense there's a lot of confidence that he's going to be in this class necessarily. So uh, I would say probably maybe 50-50, maybe less. Um, you know, I think, I mean, you're going head to head with Alabama on a kid that they really want. And it doesn't seem like that this is a situation where the family's going to say, no, you're a Noel. You grew up a Noel. You have to be a Noel. I think it's kind of his decision. And I think Alabama's made it really tough on him. So I, I think they've got a shot with Marvin Jones, but I, you know, I haven't gotten a sense from anybody like a wink. Hey, you know, this guy's definitely coming to Florida state. The father in me respects Marvin Jones senior for allowing his son to be his own man and to make the decision, the Nolan me says, that is horrific, terrible parenting. We can't have that sort of thing run rampant throughout this program. My goodness gracious. <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. Like the, it, There was a time when it seemed like legacy recruit seemed like maybe it was a little bit bigger, a little bit of a bigger deal than it does uh, in yeah. 2021. But, yeah, I don't I – don't, you know, again, if he comes to Florida State, I think that I'm sure that'll be part of it. He did grow up rooting for Florida State. His, he knows what his dad accomplished. He's been in that stadium. He sees his dad's name up there. And I'm sure that's a poll. But, you know, there's a lot of things pulling for Alabama as well. Including large sums of money. So yeah, that, makes very, very <laughs> that makes it very, very difficult to compete against, I would say. Really quickly, your thoughts on Kenny Dillingham. If he leaves, is he going to leave? I've answered some of those questions today, but I want your perspective on it. 
Uh, I have said that two things can be true simultaneously. I think he's done a good job. I also don't think it's the end of the world if he leaves. I get why he would leave, to have total autonomy of an offense and to get credit for it as he continues to rise through the ranks of coaching. I think he inevitably, invariably wants to be a head coach. This would be a way for him to perhaps bolster that resume. Then again, if he stays, that's great too. I've got no problem. But the way I looked at it, Ira, last hour was I said, look, if you presented to me that losing Kenny Dillingham meant that maybe you had an increased role and responsibility for Alex Adkins, and then we held on to him longer because of it, I'd be fine with that trade-off. If we were going to lose one or the other, I'd rather keep Adkins for a longer period of time. No shot at Kenny Dillingham. The only time I've taken a shot at him this year is that he's slightly immature, and it shows sometimes in his meetings with the press. But that happens when you're a young coach. You know, you got rabbit ears. Other than that, I think he's done a great job. Um, what are your thoughts on if he leaves and, and when would we know? Yeah, I'm with you on, on, on your points overall. Um, uh, I think we'll know today. You know, I just don't think that they're going to let it drag on much longer with signing day on Wednesday. He's not, it's not like Kenny Dillingham is going to make or break Florida State's class if he were to leave. I don't think it falls apart if he stays. I don't think they lure a bunch of big-time guys, um, you know, in this recruiting cycle. But, uh, you know, I think they do want to get it resolved pretty quickly and make a decision about what they're going to do. Uh, I'm with you on Alex Atkins. Uh, you know, I'm a huge uh, uh, you know, believer in what he's done, not only with the offensive line, but I, I know people that were on the staff with him at Charlotte when he was offensive coordinator there before coming to Florida State. They could not speak higher of him. Uh, everything I've seen from him as a recruiter and as a coach and as just a teacher on the field and just the way he interacts with people, I think is, uh, you know, I think he's clearly going to be a guy who's going to be an offensive coordinator at the Power 5 level. Um, and I think the issue is if, if Kenny Dillingham were to leave, and if you didn't give it to Alex Atkins, I think that's a sign to him that, okay, you don't necessarily think he's ready for that. And then I think that makes him a little bit, little bit more willing to talk to other people. And we know that even last year, uh, teams were coming after Alex Atkins. So I think um, that would be a natural fit. But I also think, you know, he's, you know, it's a big year for Mike Norvell. So he's got to make sure he gets the guy that he thinks can help him win games next year because, you know, they, they have to win more games next, next season. Final thing, Ira, um, it's easy right now, and and I don't – you know, listen, I've got nothing but the utmost respect for that staff and what they've accomplished. We all know that. I, anybody who's listened to this show uh, or read your columns over the years knows that we both respect Leonard Hamilton, the man and the coach, immensely. This team's not good right now. they got a lot of problems. Third consecutive game, not scoring 65 points or more. Uh, a lot of guys don't seem to understand their roles you got a lot of guys that are not contributing. Wyatt Wilkes has been useless for this team so far this year. I don't mean as a human being. I just mean as a player. Um, I, I I don't know. Do they find a way out of this? Are they are they going to find a way to battle back? I think it's it's too early to say with any great degree of uh, exact um, info. I mean, it's, you know, to me, this is a group that has proven and given, and we got to give them the right to or the time work to it get out. it get it work it out, but. They look like they have a lot of deficiencies. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. I mean, like you said, I mean, we've, we've definitely – they've earned the right to give them some time to figure it out. At the same time, I don't know that we've seen them look quite like this. Uh, mm. Maybe you go back, yeah, you know, go back six, ways, five, yeah. six, seven years um, to where they just have some glaring errors. You know, they're, they're, they're doing such a – they're not very good on the boards. They're not protecting the rim. They're not shooting the ball well from the perimeter. Uh, they're, as you said – the roles are not clearly defined. And so, you know, I, they're in a tough spot right now. I do. Th I thought the first half of that game was promising because they, they did have a week off for finals. They came out, looked pretty sharp early in that game. I thought they could run away with that game until they couldn't. And so, uh, you know, I, 
you know, as it is right now, um, I, I'm not betting that they are going to make a miraculous turnaround. But to your point, because they have had some seasons like this to some degree where they have turned around by conference play, I'm not going to count them out either. But, yeah, it's disconcerting, especially the way they played Saturday or Sunday, excuse me. Uh, I was more concerned about that than I was maybe even the Syracuse or, or, or certainly the Purdue games. Always appreciate it, brother. Be well. I know you're busy. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Yep, take care. That's uh, Irish Chaffel, Warchant.com. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Every Monday, we appreciate that. Uh, also, let's get to these questions. There are a few people who are concerned about it. Um, I don't think it's a terrible look if Dillingham leaves. Uh, I don't think it's a bad look for Dillingham, and I don't think it's a bad look for Norvell at all. Uh, I think it's uh, the byproduct of uh, what we see in the modern era. Uh, the timing of these things are less than ideal for all involved, but anybody who wants to move on in order to have total control of an offense at a young age like he would for more money. I don't begrudge him. Uh, it's not that Florida State couldn't pay him. They could. I don't know that they would choose to, and I think this is less about money and more about responsibility. Um, and then I would say that is for Norvell, he's had a lot of assistants leave because he tends to surround himself with really good assistants who other people come after because of their acumen for the job. And this will be another one of those guys. People in the coaching industry look at uh, Dillingham as a guy that will someday be a head coach. I think that's accurate. I think he will be too. I've watched him at practice. I've listened to him interact with his players. I believe he's done uh, a lot of really good work this year with very limited options on offense. I think Florida State was pigeonholed from the get-go. Teams knew what we could and could not do. And there's no magic formula for uh, being able to offset some of those things. But what you can do is obviously disguise and hope through formation uh, to scheme up opportunities. And time and again, he did that. Uh, We had to oftentimes, you know, I think run our heads into the wall repeatedly in order to set other things up down the line off of it and hope like hell that our run defense, which was pretty good, could keep us in the game long enough to spring some big plays off of those looks, off of those repetitive behaviors. And I think he did a good job of that. He schemed open a lot of one-on-ones, but it wasn't as if you had receivers who could garner a lot of separation and win 50-50 balls. You also didn't have a quarterback that, from the pocket, hit his back foot, threw the ball on time, accurately time and again. You could scheme open big pass plays from him uh, that are accurately thrown in other ways, rolling him out, for example, setting up sort of stop and goes based off of tendencies. But you you really weren't going to get your standard drop back passing game. So uh, I think, look, sometimes it's it's best when people part ways. My guess is I was asked earlier today, and some of you guys have on the chat have asked about this. Look, man. Uh, the, the odds he leaves, I think, are pretty high. I think they're pretty high. If you're asking my opinion about whether or not he's going to take that job, I think he is. Uh, I may be wrong. Maybe wrong. Uh, maybe they get behind closed doors and, you know, Ravel says, look, we'll give you a bump and I'll give you more responsibility. And if you want to stay here, you're free to stay here. Maybe. 
but uh, if not, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think Atkins, who has OC experience, will fill in really well. If anything, I actually I like the symmetry between an offensive line coach and, and OC. I like if, if those guys are one and the same, I tend to think that they have a better basis of understanding how to better utilize the run game and the passing game off of that because he understands on a day-to-day basis what those guys can and cannot do. So uh, I, I'm fine with that. And I think that Florida State will march on, and that's just the modern era of college football. It's what happens. Uh, people leave frequently. Yeah, you just wish that, you know, if there was going to be a change at Oregon and they were going to make a decision that, you know, it's a domino effect of what Cristobal did. But you would hope it would be a week earlier in the process so you could have this all play out rather than in the final few days when we're entering a dead period here for the coaching staff. But Kenny was here over the weekend. He was here this morning. He was here um, this morning, so we'll see. He was here for the final OV weekend, and he was here this morning. And, and you know, to me, the only time I'll get irritated by this whole situation is if we get into the 5 o'clock hour, 6 o'clock hour tonight, and there's still no answer. That's when I'll start to get insane. Come on, come on. What are you going to do? Because I think the longer this goes, the more likely I think that he is probably just going. So at that point, do what you need to do. Now, maybe today, this is complete rampant speculation. Do not, you know, write this on the boards and say this. No, no, no. But maybe today, if let's just say that he decided I'm going to take the job at Oregon, maybe one of your final acts as a Florida State offensive coordinator is to reach out to the recruits and say, Make sure you sign the line here. It's all everything's fine in Florida State. Here's Alex. Here's what he's you know going to be working with. You already know him, but here are some of the things that he wants to tell you, so that there's a transition. In, in a lot of cases with coaching changes in college football, it's they're already out the door before they tell you that they're taking another job, or they're escorted out immediately. I don't think this is going to be that case, which can only serve to help the recruiting class in terms of it not being a complete implosion. There are going to be casualties if he leaves, though, or there are going to be a lot more tough recruitments over the next 48 hours, contested recruitments. I don't think this is a complete deal-breaker for Tribe 22, though. Kenny Dillingham doesn't have it like that, but he's got connections with a couple of players, so we'll see how it develops. But again, the only time I'll be irritated is if we get you know well past dark tonight and he still hasn't made up his mind, because we've got to know. We've got to know how we're pivoting over the next couple of days. I always think this is the interesting uh, part of the job, because... If you're, let's say you're, okay, so we benefited greatly. Jalen Ramsey comes to mind, as we both know. When Pruitt came here, it changed everything. All of a sudden, you got a kid you just simply weren't going to get. And he turned out to be a game-changing player, an all-world player. And we obviously celebrated that coup of bringing in Pruitt and getting a Jalen Ramsey. That, that's that's game-changer. Um, but... When it goes the other way, it pisses you off and you understand it. What is the responsibility of the outgoing coach to his existing staff? And what loyalties, uh, if any, uh, are you required to show in that situation? Like, I think a lot of that changes person by person, staff by staff. But like, okay, so you and I are dear, dear friends. Uh, I, I count you amongst the three or four closest friends in my life. I think I'm that for you as well. I'd like to believe that if for some reason there was going to be a major shakeup and it happened quickly, and I'm not even talking about radio host, producer, or anything. I'm just talking about like if we were on a job together and our successes and failures, you know, we lived and died with each other. I'd like to believe that, you know, you'd come to me and say, look, man, I, what do you want me to do here? I got a kid that I know you want. I am taking this other job, and I'd sure like to have him at receiver where I'm going. You're like, how do you? I mean, that's tough. That is really. I don't know what 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 the protocol is for that. 
No, and, and here's the deal: you can't trick kids anymore because that's that's a dirty tactic that's been used for a long time. Where you know, a coach will secure the recruiting class, and then because he's trying to do right by the previous institution, he's going to change afterwards. I mean, think about what Bob Stoops did. You know, Bob left in the summer, and that class had already committed. Spring football had happened, and, and he's like, "Here's your next head coach, Landry," and they're like, "What?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, he's he's made the choice for them. But in the era where anybody can transfer for any reason at least one time, it's better to be honest and, and upfront rather yeah. than try to let this thing linger after Friday or Wednesday when, when kids can sign and then tell them what the truth is afterwards. There's no point anymore. So it takes the nefarious card out of the coach's hands, which I think is good for the kids. So the sooner you could be – I know it's not a direct answer to your question, but the sooner you could be transparent with the kids, the better because it's not like they're locked into the university anymore anyway. They can always transfer for any reason. So it'll be interesting over the next, you know, four or five hours, though, I think. Hey, Tom, I don't have the read in front of me. We've got to help our friends from uh, North Florida Payroll Services here. As I got a game. I got a pick. I got to – let's queue it up. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. It's going to cut out immediately after it runs so we don't get garbled messes. But here it is. <laughs> Hey, Big Daddy, having some red Russians tonight? We'll know in about 47 seconds. Into an open wing. It's picked up by Dowdy, an empty net. He scores. Hot damn. Big Daddy's done it again. Red Russians all around, Teddy. All right, Big Daddy. Had a good weekend uh, and, and, and rode that train with the Two-team teaser-pleaser, the three-team teaser-pleaser tonight could uh, end up paying off. Do you have a hockey wager you want to throw out there to the folks, Tom, or should I just go with my specific to tonight's new teaser-pleaser that I came up with on the fly? Oh, well, uh, I'll let you get to that because uh, here's a little rant from you incoming two in three, two, one. There's only one hockey game tonight. I'm not playing it, so there you go. That's the NHL. Rot with dumbassery when it comes to scheduling. Drives me nuts. All right, here you go. Let's go back to this. I won't prattle on for no reason. Uh, So you already knew I needed the Rams plus eight and a half tonight. Well, why not double down on it? Why not chase all the money? I'll take that Rams plus eight and a half tonight, uh, tease it uh, to get to eight and a half, and I'll simultaneously add to it, Tommy, so that I can have a a, a teaser. The under 57. Let's go under plus the eight and a half. Let's go. Interesting. So you see a defensive struggle. All right. Uh, If I was to pick anything, and this is not a recommendation, stick with Jeff over there for for the picks. I'd play L.A. uh, on the money line tonight. They need the game. It's that simple. I think there's Ooh, a you're, sprink- you're sprinkling pizza money on L.A. to win it outright. So there's value. Right now it's two and a half. You're not going to play the two and a half. That's dumb. Like I, no. I get that Baltimore and Cleveland yesterday was a two-point final, but that's not the standard way things work. Uh, in the final oh, don't minute- I know that it was a two-point final, Tom? Don't I know? <laughs> I think you do. Uh, in the final 50 seconds that we have, no. what's, the money line, what's the money line wager on, on Kenny staying? Or, so money line that he stays in Tallahassee, where would you set it? Minus, minus money, big minus Same. money. Stay. Oh, stay. Yeah. oh, yeah, no, he's gone. It's plus money. You're right. Yeah, sorry about that. Misread your question. Hey, good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. You worked hard, buddy. You deserve all the praise today. Good job out of you. And to all those that stayed with us and watched today, we appreciate it. Keep up with Warchant.com and Warchant TV. A lot more stuff coming your way. I'll talk to you tomorrow on Seminole Headlines. Peace, everybody. Be good.